Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. Enjoy the message. All right, everyone. We have room at the table if anybody yeah. wants to slide over. Um, and then obviously those seats. So we are in Genesis chapter 9. So we left off in verse 7. So please, uh, you can turn there. Everybody have a Bible? Anybody need one? I can get one for you. All right, so Genesis chapter 9, and starting in uh, verse 7. Now, remember, the context of things is this. Noah has been on the boat for a period of time, him and his family, a year essentially. They get off the boat. Noah builds an, builds an altar, makes a sacrifice. Um, God establishes a covenant with Noah. Uh, and essentially he, he kind of brings that to a conclusion. He says this in verse 7. He says to Noah, And you be fruitful and multiply, team on the earth and multiply in it. Well, those are good words for what chapter 10 is going to be. So our goal tonight is to make it through 9 and into 10, because chapter 10 is sort of the uh, genealogy of the nations and... Noah's family is very obedient. They do exactly what God says to do here in verse 7. They are fruitful and they multiply and they, uh, they fill the earth. And remember, that was essentially the same words that God gave to Adam and to Eve, was that they were to fill the earth. And, and so the, the promise, if you will, not the promise, the uh, command is um, reinstituted here now with Noah. All right, now let's pick up in verses 8 through 11. Let me read that to you. It says, Now then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as come out of the ark. It is, uh, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Well, it brings us back to that question of, uh, you know, what about this idea that the flood was a localized flood that, that sort of affected where Noah and, and others were living, and Noah was protected there, but it wasn't a worldwide cataclysmic, cataclysmic flood, and we, we spent some time talking about that maybe two weeks ago. Well, here we come to this verse again in which the Lord promises he will never again cause a flood to destroy the earth, the whole earth. And if it was just a localized one, if that's how we're supposed to understand it, well, we know there's been lots of floods that have happened. Uh, even in this last month, probably, um, there have been floods that have occurred in different parts of the world, um, mm-hmm. particularly here in the United States. And so, obviously, that's not what's being referred to. It's, it is a worldwide cataclysmic flood that affected all the inhabitants of the earth, including um, the beast. Uh, so, all right, you got that? Now, this covenant, anyone know what we call this covenant? No this, if you said no, like that, like like I said, do you know? And you said no, you're halfway right. All right? They call it the Noahic Covenant. Um, you, you notice there, it's not just to Noah, it's to his kids and really to all that come afterwards, but it's this promise, among other things, that God makes that he will never again destroy the earth uh, with a flood. It goes on in verse 12, and he says, and this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you, for all future generations, I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And when I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, 
I'll remember my covenant that is between me and you, and every living creature of all flesh, and all the wa- and the waters, excuse me, shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it, and I will remember the everlasting covenant between God and every creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Verse 17, God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant between me and all flesh. So we just read it. What's the sign of the covenant? Rainbow. The rainbow. And, and even today when you see the rainbow, that can be a reminder to you of what? <laughs> a lot of answers. Promise of God. That God gave us a covenant. Right. That he keeps his promises. Okay. So when I see the rainbow, do I thank God, thank you, Lord, that there's not going to be a flood? Like, is that what I can remind myself of and take, like, that's one thing, certainly. But it actually says that the, the rainbow is there to remind God. So that yeah, it says that. But I can remind myself of what? Mercy. God is merciful. Mm-hmm. God is faithful. Mm-hmm. God is true to his word. Mm-hmm. Those things. So I remember we were at a softball game with the men's ministry, and uh, it started raining or whatever. Nothing big. Not that we had to stop the game or anything, but it was one of those things where you get that light rain, and it's still mm-hmm. sunny out, and huge rain. It was over by Tyler State Park. Mm-hmm. Huge rainbow formed, and... It was a fun opportunity to just remind ourselves that you know, the Lord is faithful. Now, what were you going to say there, Mark? You well, were starting to say. That God keeps saying, then I will remember, I will remember. So I'll see the bow and I'll remember. Mm-hmm. So the fact, I mean, not that he forgets, but it's just odd that he wants to make sure that no one knows. Oh, no, no, I'll see the rainbow. Mm-hmm. And then I'll know that I, you know, I promise not to do that again. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a weird construct in my mind. It, it does seem that way, doesn't it? All right. Any other thoughts on the rainbow? This is interesting that he makes the double One second. What's that? It's interesting that he makes the covenant with animals. I mean, I mean, like, wow. I didn't think mm-hmm. they were covenant. No, not covenant really, but I didn't. All my memory of it, I never thought that he sure. included the animals. Right. I thought it was kind of neat. Yeah. <laughs> you have a double rainbow? What's that, like yeah. a circle? Picture. No, it's like a rainbow and then a rainbow and a rainbow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I saw that in the state house one time. What, a double one? A double one. I saw the end of a rainbow. I found a pot of gold. Yeah. That's not true. But we were at a fundraiser for Young Life. Maybe I was seeing it. Hold on a second. I'm sorry, what were you saying? We were at a fundraiser for Young Life, so you're all dressed up really great. And the end of the rainbow ended up in the golf course outside. Get out of town. I wanted to run out. And check it out for... Yeah, but I was dressed up and it was all these fancy people. I understand. <laughs> I wanted to know how you always want to get to the end of the rainbow. Yeah, yeah really you could have. the end of the rainbow. I've ever seen that. Yeah. yeah. It's all smoke and mirrors. <laughs> it's not even real? <laughs> I don't know. I well, let me ask you this. What is God's greatest demonstration... Of faithfulness that he shows to you and I. That's a Sunday school answer. <laughs> you have to be able to defend your answer. How? <laughs> okay, that, that's Sorry. good. <laughs> I just thought everybody knew that. So. <laughs> there you go. We're okay with Sunday school answers here. Sunday school answers are good. Now remember, you, not just you, Kat, <laughs> but each of us, we are unrighteous. You know, we are sinners, uh, we're stained. And yet, the Lord looks on 
the righteousness that was purchased for us, if you will, earned for us, if you will, uh, or transmuted, is that a word? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to us, imparted to us because of the work that Christ did. And he will imputed. imputed. What's transmuted? Like we made that up. <laughs> okay, well, it's not that. It's not that. Huh? Iron Man 3. That's transmutation? I think I made that word up. But anyhow, because of the work of Christ on the cross, and he sees us, and God says he will be faithful to that. The Father says he will be faithful to that, even though we fall short and we mess up even as his children. So uh, the sign of the covenant. Remind yourself every time you see the bow. All right, let's go on. Verse. somebody else brought up that you know, the bow, you know, we think the rainbow, but it could also be the bow was a symbol of judgment. The rainbow was a symbol? Well, a bow. A bow. Like oh, a bow like an arrow? arrow. Yeah, it doesn't... But it says... the shape of it. Oh, okay. Oh, so okay. it's God yeah. actually saying, no, the judgment's already been taken care of. Mm-hmm. How about that? So... Nowadays, people forget the meaning of the rainbow. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You are right. All right, verse 18. Now the sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham, in parentheses, says, was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. So Ham... It says, notice there in parentheses, was the father of Canaan. So we're going to be introduced to, first off, three sons of Noah. These are the same ones we were introduced to previously. They went into the ark with their wives. uh, And now, here we are on the earth, they're going to be the ones repopulating. We're starting the genealogy process that will really uh, come to a head here in chapter 10. Um, But we're being introduced to these three players. Notice how Ham, the father of Canaan, um, is just sort of thrown in there and nothing more is said about it. Well, more will be said about it as we move into chapter 10. And again, the purpose of genealogy, sometimes they serve two purposes. One is something like the genealogy of Christ to, to prove who he is and, and that. Uh, but the other is to sort of take us, okay, we've been talking about Noah, but now I'm going to move you on. I'm gonna, we're going to talk about this character over here. And Canaan's going to be one of those guys we're going to talk about a little bit is later. Is Ham the one who's the grandfather of Cush? Ham is either the father or the grandfather. Yeah, one of those two. All right, so uh, verse 20, let's read. Now Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine, and he became drunk, and he lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and he told his brothers outside. Then Sham and Japheth took a garment, they laid it on both their shoulders, and they walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backwards, and they did not see their father's nakedness. Now when Noah awoke from his whining and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. So we have an unfortunate account here of Uh, some things that are going on in this particular family. Let's go back and take a look at it. Verse 20, it says that Noah started a new career, if you will. We, I don't know what Noah did before. Well, he became a ship. He became a shipbuilder at 500. What what he did before that, we don't necessarily know. While he built a ship, he was also a preacher. So he was a shipbuilder and a preacher. Um, Now here, he's a he's planted a vineyard, and he's keeping the vineyard. 
So there you have that. Verse 21, it says, Now he drank of the wine from his vineyard, and he became drunk, and he lay uncovered. Now, <clears throat> did Noah knowingly become drunk, or, you know, did he just drink the produce of what he made there and discover what it did to him? Well, this is the, okay, so. John, do you have any thoughts? Looks like you're formulating a thought. Mm -hmm. Okay, <laughs> neither do I. <laughs> what were you going to say? It's interesting. Well, if this is like a book, the book of firsts, like, <clears throat> is this the first instance where wine, where grape juice actually fermented? Mm. You know, again, because things have changed, you know, through these, Sure. you know, fermentation is a process of spoilage, mm -hmm. right? So can, yeah. is this something that now is starting to happen after the flood? It, farther, farther away from perfection. Yeah, it doesn't say, but a lot of people think that, that this is the first time somebody could get drunk. So we did. Sir, you look like you're... All right, so we don't know is the answer. Did he go in and say, all right, you know, I had a long week, and I'm just going <laughs> to... Or did it just sort of like happen? It, it doesn't say in, in Noah's case. Um, but since we're here, let's talk about this. Is it wrong for us as Christians to get drunk? Yeah, we're not supposed to be drunk on wine. We're supposed to be drunk on the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's just a verse you heard or so, something you heard well, no, in your life? Or? Did I just hear? I mean, could I... I can't give you the exact address at this moment, but I know it's But it's in the Bible. In the Bible. It's in the Bible. <laughs> Maybe in Ephesians 5, perhaps? Possibly, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Ephesians 5 says this, Do not get drunk with wine, no. for that is debauchery. Some versions say that is excess indulgence, but be filled with the Spirit, it says. Mm -hmm. And another so. reason would be because when you lower that standard, a lot of times other things happen. Mm. Okay. you you know, you're, you're inhibitions. Oh, you're inhibitions. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. inhibitions to say, no, I'm not crossing mm -hmm. a particular line. Mm -hmm. uh, get slower. Than you get it also makes it harder to hear the voice of God too. If you're, you know, if you're in a state of, uh, you know, whether inebriated on anything, you can't really have that communication with with God that you normally would. Okay. Good. And people knowing that you're a Christian yeah. can actually be a detriment. I'm, I'm sorry. What was the first sentence? If they know you're a Christian and you're drunk, then um, it's not a good witness to what you stand for, because you really are no different to the way the world is behaving. Okay. Is it all right to drink wine? Is it all right to right? drink wine? It's my next question. Okay, so as far as the first question then, is it is it wrong to get drunk? The Bible clearly says that it is, uh, that we're not to be doing so. Um, in addition to that, we have examples that, that people have shared, that it's not wise to do so, it, it messes up your witness to do so, it lowers your inhibitions and gets you involved in other things, you probably wouldn't have gone down that particular path. All right, so... Let's just assume we all agree with that. Then let's move to the next question. Is it wrong to drink? Well, I think for it's an individual thing. It goes back to the meats kind of thing. Okay. Because if you're uh, more prone to alcoholism, 
Okay, so let's explain that statement you made, so in case people aren't familiar, it goes back to the meat thing. Oh, well, what okay. are you referring to? The, the meat, you know, like the Apostle Paul said that if you eat meat that was for idols, you know, you may be okay with that, but somebody else might not be. And it goes back to character witness. If a newer believer sees you eating meat that was sacrificed to other deity, um, it could lower their standards or confuse them. So, you know, you have to be careful what you do in your walk. Okay, so what are you saying? That you probably shouldn't drink just... To be careful for other people? Yeah. Okay. And maybe yeah. yourself, too. I thought you meant red wine with, with uh, beef and white wine with fish. <laughs> He's being silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's back to the meat, she said. All right. So, anybody else have thoughts? Is it wrong for a Christian, then, to drink? In, I believe it's in Titus. It says, man is not to be given to two, T-O-O, much wine. It's not saying he shouldn't drink. It's, as I interpret that or read that, it doesn't say he, should, he is not to drink wine. He's just not to get drunk. Okay. And that would be the idea of too much wine. Okay. If Jesus turned water into wine, which if it wasn't wedding. a good thing for them to drink, he probably wouldn't have done that. Okay. And they said that was the best. Like, okay. And then also you have the example of the Apostle Paul instructing Timothy to drink a little wine medicinal purposes, help with your frequent stomach ailments and stuff like that. Okay, so it seems as if that the New Testament doesn't put a prohibition against the drinking of alcohol. Okay. Just a cautionary. Just be careful with the moderation and all that. Now, my friend Josh has some thoughts. I could tell he's stirring. He's going to keep quiet. I'm not going to. I'm going to suggest some things. This is what it says in the book of Proverbs. It says this in Proverbs 20. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Now, that doesn't say you can't drink uh, a glass of this or a glass of that. Um, the idea of being led astray seems to indicate more like too much of it. Um, how about we turn to Proverbs 23? Now, some of you might be thinking... If he tells me we can't drink, I'm going to be mad at him. We're all going to hell. And I would just say this. If you're going to be angry, because I would just say, you know, I don't think you should, then I think you've got a problem. That's a good indication. Yeah, but anyway, let's move on. 23, 29. Chapter 23, verse 29. It says, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? And who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? You know the answer. Those who tarry long over wine, and those who go to try mixed wine. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites, bites like a serpent, and it stings like an adder. Now again, if you look at verse 30, it talks about tarrying long over wine. You can make a case that that's referring to you drink too much of it, and things like that. Um, but still getting huffs over there. <laughs> Sorry, I got something. <laughs> I'll just 
Or if you drink it, it needs a glass of wine to help us. Stop. He might. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't need a glass of wine. Too long, like you can become addicted to it. So that would oh, be sure. Because the addiction would sneak up on you. Okay. But also, there's a part where, in a way, I learned a lesson. I, I hung out with people who were drinking mm -hmm. very heavily, and I was like, I'm okay. I'm okay as a Christian. I'm, I'm like, I'm good. Because they're not that. Yeah, I'm not that. Mm -hmm. But in order just to be in their presence. That was much more than I would normally drink. Mm. So um, I put myself in a vulnerable situation mm. because I can't handle drinking like they can. But I kind of thought I'm safe. So mm. there's the biggest question of how safe was I? Mm. Because just simply by sort of going along with you know that environment, I was in a sort of vulnerable situation, even mm -hmm. in thinking I'm good, mm -hmm. because you know it could have been like the third glass. And I am drunk, or the second glass, and I'm drunk. Um, so I think sometimes we can err on, I'm good, because I'm a Christian, and I've been a Christian for a while. I know what I'm doing here. Mm. Um, instead of saying, listen, you know, there's a part where it says, avoid any appearance of evil. Mm -hmm. And it was like, there was a mm -hmm. wisdom in saying, I don't have everything covered. Maybe just I stuck to sparkling water. And people do I'm that absolutely with all kinds safe. of I mean, they mm -hmm. go to all kinds of places. They shouldn't be thinking, yeah. I'm a Christian, I'm good, yeah. I'm safe. And I didn't want to offend the host, so there was mm. a bit of that in it. And so, mm. but just that fact that I'm, I'm good. Mm. I don't feel mm -hmm. like we could ever be, like, totally mm. confident in our own ability to handle every situation. Mm. Mm -hmm. And saying, okay, God, just give me wisdom about what I do here. Yeah. yeah. Okay, very good. Well, and, um, Ruth brought up, this idea. This is from Romans 14. Um, it says, it's, it is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions that we have to take into account, I, I, let's put it in our context, for instance, the things we post on Facebook. You know, so you're standing there with your red cup or something at, you know, the Super Bowl party or whatever, and everyone knows what the red cup is for or something like that. That can cause somebody else to stumble. So you know, eh, I only had half of a red cup or whatever. I'm fine or whatever. But we need to be careful of the appearance of things because, you know, this young lady or this young man over here, well, this man over here, you know, he might have a problem with it. And he might look on, and, and maybe he looks up to you in your walk with, with the Lord or whatever, and he sees, well, hey, you know, I saw that Greg was holding a beer. I saw that so-and-so was holding wine. I guess it's okay for me to do that. And he has that problem with it. He takes a drink, which leads to two drinks, to three drinks, to four drinks. And so we need to be careful that we don't cause others to stumble. Now, can I say, well, that's his life. It's none of my business. You know, i got to live my own life. He can, has to live his own life. Can you say that? No. No, you can't <laughs> because you're a Christian, all right? And you're, his life is part of your life. You're the body, all right? And what, if you cause him to stumble and so on. Uh, Ruth also quoted essentially this when she told the story about food. And uh, 1 Corinthians 8 says, Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I'll never eat meat again, lest I make my brother stumble. Not talking about wine, but the general idea there is this. So uh, we want to be really careful. We want to be on our guard. We want to be wise. Um, well, I guess it goes the other way as well, because in that same section, he talks about people not passing judgment on somebody else mm -hmm. because they do something that you don't do that's, mm -hmm. that's, not, a, that's sure. not a sin issue. I agree. Right. It's a pride issue. Let me ask you this Who question. You to judge somebody else's sermon, yeah. I think, is the word. Yeah. 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 What good comes from alcohol? None. Nothing. 
Well, I don't know if I... Well, yeah, I, I, I'm I curious. Red wine they say in Europe. Uh, Health or something? Yeah, they generally say it's really good in terms of eating with, eating with meat. It really helps the digestion. And it, they have okay. lots of longevity studies on the fact that it consumed in moderation. It's very good for the digestion and for the heart and for the meal. Okay. And to what? Heighten the meal? No, no, for the heart. <laughs> the heart. Okay. I just didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. But I do know they say, people say that certain wines take, cause certain foods to taste better or something. Yeah. I've heard that. Or, I mean, I go to restaurants and I hear, you know, there's a wonderful wine. I'll take a Coke. But they also cook with wine, you know. Okay, so maybe that's one of the good things, some medicinal type things. Um, well, red wine definitely, not, not so much white wine, but red wine definitely has the... Resveratol. Um, yeah, that helps your <laughs> cholesterol if you've got... Yeah. It can help with the cholesterol, leveling it off, making it better. It okay. keeps the plaque down inside your arteries. Okay. So, I mean, some people say, I'd rather drink a glass of wine than take a pill. Uh-huh, sure. Mm. So. Mm. Okay, so that, that could be a positive. Any other positives? And some people just... Dare I say it, it works as a relaxant, you know. Loosens them up a little. Yeah. You don't want to loosen up too much, but. Social lubricant. <laughs> okay. Also, alcohol thins the blood. Okay. That good? That's good, right? It could be. It, I guess if you need your blood thinned, it's good, I guess. <laughs> okay. All right. My mother used to drink a lot. She had a, I remember as a child, big red jug in the, not that she drank. She had a heart. She had heart attacks all my whole life growing up, but she would have a little glass at night time just before going to bed, so I don't know sleep or did, something. <laughs> maybe it helps I'll have to deal with you. I'm sure you were, I'm sure you were. My grandpa used to have this little glass of And she didn't drink it, I mean, that's all. She, would, she just would have that little glass before going to bed. Okay, so those are, those are positives uh, that people are suggesting. What are some negatives that are commonly associated with alcohol? Besides impaired all the impaired, impaired judgment, judgment, alcoholism. Well, you can you can now. There's negative benefits to drink too much. Liver cirrhosis. Sure. Yeah. Health. Okay. Yeah. The opposite health of health. Relationship like the date rape thing for a woman, just mm -hmm. in terms of um, yeah. making a woman a lot more vulnerable because she's not aware of where she is. Mm -hmm. It ruins a relationship with the Lord. I mean, that's, I just keep going back to that. Like what, like whatever it is, whatever you're ingesting that makes your consciousness fuzzy. Like I always think Charles Stanley always says, do, you know, do I want to be drunk when the Lord comes back? You know, like if the Lord shows up and I'm high or drunk or stoned or whatever, like do I want to be in that condition when God shows up? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's why it's cool. like. It can also affect your heart in a negative way if you drink too much. Yeah. Physical, physical heart? Okay. Yeah. Certainly your spiritual heart. Yeah. Too much of it. Say who? Alcohol poisoning if you get too much. Alcohol poisoning. Yeah. Car accidents. I don't have the statistics, yeah. but certainly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You also become very abusive sometimes. Yeah, it's just yeah. domestic abuse. And you pass that on to your kids, and yeah. you know all that goes on with that. Mm -hmm. And you embarrass yourself. I mean, yeah. I was shocked. Yeah. Uh, my, we had these these times where we had to go out in the field for you know a week or two weeks down in Virginia, and my boss was at that time was a little short, redheaded lady, and uh, 
her and the Princeton professor, like they, they like they like to take us out to this really nice restaurant. But I remember one time we went out and they were just they were just ordering the wine and the wine and the wine. And you know, she's a small person. Yeah. And it was it I felt so embarrassed for her because she she just got totally, you know, sloshed, her speech was all yeah. you know. And I was like, This is my boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't allow it at our holiday parties at all. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like no problem. We don't either. I'm going to say at work, they don't, they just don't allow it, but yeah. they sneak it in anyway. Like the kids oh my gosh, how old are they? Like the punch bowl? Like, These are adults. No, the, the kids that I work with. They're, oh, okay. like, they're like in like their 20s. They'll, they'll bring it in their purses. Jeez. Put it in okay, in well, uh... <laughs> Not a good exactly. sign. Yeah, I would. I would agree. I, I. I don't know. I just see. I don't see a lot of good coming from alcohol, to be quite frank, um, in our society, um, and. I, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to come after you and say that you're not the type of Christian that you need to be or whatever. But I, I would just. I don't need it. Haven't had it since. Uh, I think I was. 17 years old, mm -hmm. and I'm just not interested in it. And uh, so, there you go. If you want to come to my house, bring a bottle of soda, because because uh, <laughs> that's what I like. Nice with crushed ice. All right. Funny because yesterday I was out to eat with Dave and Mandy and my husband, and they're all like, they all got something to drink, and I'm like, I feel like I was like, I feel like I need to order something, and I was like, because I'm just gonna order water, <laughs> like I don't want alcohol. Right. Yeah. Did they pressure you or no? No, they, they didn't pressure me, but it was just one of those Good. things where it's like everyone else was ordering it, and I'm now. just kind of like, do I, like, I feel like I need to order something, and I was like, I'm just going to get water. Yeah. That's one yeah. of the things about the present age, though, is we have so many alternatives. Mm -hmm. And then they had wine and water, and you really had to drink a lot of wine to get drunk. Like, you had to have that purpose. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, people can get shot off a of one drink drunk off of one shot, depending on how big they are, mm -hmm. you know, like, in, and it's, what is your purpose, like, mm -hmm. why, why would you want to drink anyway, that stuff's mm -hmm. nasty, mm -hmm. order a soda, order, order a root beer, you know, or, mm -hmm. there's so many more alternatives, our water isn't, isn't contaminated with, with parasites and things, where the alcohol would help, yeah. kill all that stuff off, we don't need that, mm -hmm. so, what's the purpose of drinking, what's the purpose? There's only one purpose I can see, and that's to get drunk, to loosen up, like you said. You know? And why do I need to loosen up? I've got the Holy Spirit. That's right. I do too. So if you've had a really good wine, though, it does taste good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the stuff yeah. in the big jug, the moment. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's a blast. It's a blast. I guess they used to sell it back then. No, my parents had the same thing. And they had it. They had Easter. Easter, they would have a glass of wine with Easter dinner, and it was the Morgan Dave stuff. Like, yeah. and now I realize that's that's like communion wine. Right. You know what? Yeah. I have to say, I, I had three sisters. None of us would touch it because it was like my mom's medicine. You know, and it was yeah. never it was, mm. it was out there. We could have we could have as teenagers or anything. Never touched it. None of us. Mm. It's hers. Her medicine. Good old moms. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's get moving again. It. It talks about uh, our friend Noah lying there naked, um, uncovered, I, I think it, it says there. Um, that means he was naked. Verse 22, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, 
and he told his brothers outside. There's a couple terms here that are important. Um, one is the word saw there, um, at least in my version. It can be translated to gaze upon. So this isn't that, you know, he came in, oh my gosh, dad, you know, yeah. one of these kinds of things. But the idea is he looked upon it and he continued to look upon, he gazed upon. Secondly, notice there where it says he told his brothers who were outside. outside. So he ran out to tell them. He went out to tell them. The, the phrase, theology there is to make known or to tell with delight. So it wasn't like he said, hey, guys, listen, dad's yeah. in there, you know, we got this thing, what, what are we going to do? But that it, he went out and he was mocking his dad, making fun of his dad, that sort of thing. Um, so a couple things I see there. Number one is we can't control that first thing we see. You know, somebody walks by our path, we walk into a room, we see something. You can't control those types of things, but you can control the second look. Uh, and here, clearly, Ham, based on that word, to gaze upon, uh, he does not control his second look. Um, also, all right, so we see somebody do something and, you know, it's embarrassing to them or they've sinned and, you know, we, we've been made aware of it, whatever it may be. We have the ability to either broadcast that mm -hmm. and bring shame to that person, embarrassment to that person, ridicule to that person, or we can sort of hide or handle the matter discreetly cover that matter. It says in Proverbs 10, it says, love covers all offenses. It says in 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter 4 love covers a multitude of sins. Um, clearly, Ham isn't doing that um, here at all. He's just making it um, known uh, to others. Um, He's exercising gossip, essentially. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, it's interesting. We had a little situation in the Downs family that my my Son, this was quite humorous, actually. You don't tell them the story. I'll just tell you. We got two envelopes from school, um, one for the parents of Jacob Downs, one for the parents of Luke Downs. Um, Jacob got a detention, um, so he had, you have to sign the paper. He has to stay after school for this mm -hmm. detention. Um, <laughs> funny situation. Anyhow... Um, Luke got a conduct referral. I'm not sure which one's more serious, to be honest with you. It seems as if conduct referrals are more serious, mm -hmm. although you don't get any penalized in any way, except mom and dad find out. Almost like a misdemeanor. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> misdemeanor. Well, I don't know. So Luke got a conduct referral. So anyway, the conduct referral was on top of the detention. So Jake comes in, he looks, and he sees the conduct referral for Luke, and he says, oh, you're in trouble, <laughs> kind of thing. And so my, my wife says, uh, not so fast, Buster, you know, or whatever. And he's like, oh, you know, this kind of thing. So anyway, we figured it all out, talked it all out, and it was what it was. Um, then the next morning... Um, my daughter Hope decides she's going to share as a prayer request in class oh. that her, I'd like to pray for my, my brother Luke, he got a conduct oh, referral. Uh, and so then one of the kids in class comes up to my brother and is like, you got a conduct referral, oh, you know, so on and so forth. And then my brother, he comes home, confronts her for telling his business to the whole school oh, kind of thing and so on. So we had this discussion and what it became clear was uh, that we had to talk with my daughter was this wasn't really a matter of I, I'm concerned about my, my brother mm -hmm. Luke and I want to pray for my brother Luke. What it really was is I want to tell everybody my brother Luke got in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, we just spent some time just talking about how, you know, if you really love your brother, mm -hmm. you're going to hide these sorts of things. You're not going to 
publicly broadcast these things so the whole world knows. You want to pray about them? You specifically really want everybody to pray? Then just say, you know what, I'd like to pray for my brother. Let's just leave it at that kind of thing. So it was a good opportunity for us to talk, but there's something about us that even as believers that are walking with the Lord that likes to engage in the gossip, but we don't call it gossip in the Christian church because we're not allowed to gossip, the Bible says. You know, we have prayer requests. Let me tell you, I got a prayer request for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so we, we like to share these things. I like to call it drama. I'm going to sit next to you again. No, you're not going to sit there. I, I, drama. Yeah. That, that's uh, that's what it becomes. That's what it is. It doesn't one. I don't know what version of the Bible it says it, but doesn't don't they use the word tail bearing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know where the verse is either. All I've heard is. And th that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. Yeah. Because yeah. in the Old Testament, right, what did they do to humiliate the soldiers? They cut off their garments at the waist so they're. They bore their tail. Their buttocks were showing. Uh, <laughs> tail bearing. Yeah. Huh. Shameful. Yeah. So. Okay. Just be careful. Um, you know, it's the loving thing to do uh, is... I've been on the other side you know, of it. You've been on the other side? Mm -hmm. <coughs> Which side? The side people the, talked about you? Yeah, vaguely talk? on Facebook, of course. <coughs> yeah, so be careful. Right, friends? All right, now, going back to this phrase, saw the nakedness of his father... There are some that suggest this is more than just he went in and gazed upon the nakedness of his father. Um, if you look at verse 24, verse 24, Noah says, or it says of Noah, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. Um, now, that could mean he went out and made fun of me, or it could mean something else. Leviticus chapter 18 uses both words uncovered and nakedness, and both of them reply uh, or um, refer to acts of sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And so something sexual perhaps could have occurred here, or nothing other than looking at and making fun of. Um, but again, uh, if you, you contrast the behavior of Ham here with that of the other two brothers, look at verse 23. It says, Then Sham and, uh, excuse me, Shem and Japheth, they took a garment, they laid it on both their shoulders... Um, you know, so they're they're facing backwards, the garments in between them, and they go into the uh, room, the the tent area backwards, and they cover the nakedness of their father. It says their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. Now, look at the length that they go to. That's it's just complicated. You know, I got to walk backwards, and are you ready? Okay, no, oop, oop, sorry, bumped into the gate. Hold on, you, you just go in. You know, kind of thing. Huh? <laughs> Thrown in a towel. Here, yeah, there you go. But they're going. They're going to all these lengths just to make sure that they don't. And then you have the other guy running around telling everybody and laughing and making fun and doing whatever it may be here. So, unfortunately, contrasting these two. Well, twenty-four. Noah woke from his wine. He knew what his youngest son had done to him. Um, I always assumed Ham was the middle son because it says Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Mm -hmm. um, but here it, it seems that he's the youngest son. However, you'll notice, who gets cursed after? Canaan does. Now, some versions write this as um, younger son, and that could be a reference to a grandson. And Canaan is the grandson, or the son, I should say, of Ham, the grandson of Noah. So perhaps that's what's being referred to here, um, 
we don't necessarily know. But anyhow. Why did they curse? Why was Canaan? Well, that's a good question. So it could be because he's the one who did it. Right. No, so it wasn't the. It wasn't Ham that did. Right, so where it talks about the young that he and Ham are together in this process, uh, doing something. So knew what his younger son had done, his grandson had done. That could be. Uh, but let's read the verse, and then we'll we'll talk a couple options. He said, "Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brother." So again, if Ham's the one who did it, why is Canaan being judged? I can think of three reasons why. That the son of the father is done. The sin of the father passed down to the son. Now, there's verses that say that's not supposed to happen. Right, so, yeah. So. But we do know that the sins of a father affect the son yeah. so often. You know, so, anyhow. What were you going to say? You seen nothing? No, no, I, okay. just, uh, you know, someone says it's that the prophetic, he was prophetically uttering that, almost like foretelling what the Canaanites would become. Mm-hmm. Whether he was fully aware of that or it was just a, like, your descendants. So then he's not announcing a curse from this day forward, your descendants, you know, but rather prophetically saying this is what's going to happen yeah. to your family. Uh-huh. Basically, That's once you open the door, but this is what will happen in the future. Mm. Okay, so there's two. Perhaps Canaan was involved in the sin somehow. <laughs> prophetically, he's speaking. And is there anything else? It, it, I have that little thing at the bottom where it says, Thus, Ham, uh, thus Noah cursed Ham indirectly by cursing his son Cain. Oh, because he's cursing his posterity. Mm-hmm. 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 And that was your, like, yeah. in, in those days, that was your, your pride, your ego, mm-hmm. your wealth, your longevity, How would cursing Canaan be an act of mercy on God's part? Maybe they would cry out to God because okay. no one wants to be a slave. And, and also, when you have something that you feel is unfair, generationally, maybe you're more inclined to seek to seek restitution, to seek help. I don't know. Okay. But it wasn't God cursing; it was Noah cursing. Mm. Okay. So you don't think God's involved in this at all? Well, I didn't say that, but oh, okay. You said God cursed. Well, there is no curse without implication that God will enforce it because otherwise it's just meaningless words like blah blah the curse implies there's a power to it mm-hmm. you bless or you curse and they both have it intrinsically the, the, the fact that God is going to enforce it alright so I could restate it then how could the curse that Noah pronounces on Canaan be an act of mercy I would, I would suggest this I'm I know what I'm thinking. You don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> is this. There, if Ham is cursed, that's a third of the world's population that is cursed. Um, Ham will go on to have a number of children. It's just one of the children and his line that is cursed. Just a small portion of that one third. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to say. Right. So perhaps that's the reason why Canaan. So maybe he's involved. Maybe it's not really a curse as much as it is a prophetic statement of what that family line is going to be like. You've got a lousy father, Ham, and your kids are going to be, suffer as a result of it. Or perhaps it's an act of mercy in some respects, that rather than the entire line being cursed, it's just one portion of that line. All right, so a couple things. Now, could you do me a favor? I have printed something in the other room on the uh, small printer. Would you get that? Because I'm running out of battery. All right, now, um, yes, my friend. 
Deuteronomy 2716. Mm-hmm. Okay, hold on. Cursed is he who dishonors his father or mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Yeah. That's a perfect verse to add here. Did you want to comment on that any further, or let it stand for itself? I think it, I think it speaks for itself. I think you're right. Good stuff, Paul. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, there are some that have looked to this uh, curse on Canaan, and said, this is the biblical support uh, for the enslavement of black Africans in the history uh, of the world, particularly here in the United States of America. Uh, and, and the reason why they will do that, they, they're looking here and they're saying, all right, so Ham's family is cursed. If a little bit later into chapter 10, we're going to see that the peoples, they split up and they go all different directions. Ham's family, Ham's uh, lineage, they head off into Africa. And so slaves came from Africa, therefore we're doing, everything we're doing is right as Christians in America enslaving blacks because the Bible said that that's what's going to happen. Um, what do you think about that argument? Well, I don't think it's true because when it talks about slaves and servants, there are guidelines that have nothing to do with forcing people and... They're still supposed to be treated as people, not material things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think, just to expand on that a little bit, we're talking about a nation, not a race. Right. So the Canaanite nation has been cursed, not a race of people. Good. There's a big difference here. Okay. Very good. Hmm. What else? Any other thoughts? So you're saying that more the Canaanites included Africans as well as people that went up other places that didn't end up with dark skin. So technically they all should have been slaves, not just black Africans. Mm-hmm. If there were other Canaanite lineages from other places. True. Okay. True. Well here's an interesting twist. The word ham, it can mean two things. One is hot. The other is black. And so people say, see? <laughs> but who was cursed? Was Ham cursed? No. Was black cursed? No. no. No, Canaan was. So Ham went down into Africa. We do know that, him and the descendants after him. Canaan, who is one of the descendants of Ham, didn't go down into Africa. Where did Canaan settle? Yeah, in the Middle East. In Canaan, right? <laughs> that's, where, that's where Israel came in to take over, you recall, Joshua, and all that sort of stuff. So um, I think that this is a convenient way for people to get the Bible to say what they wanted to say to support uh, the things that they wanted it to support. Um, but I don't think that the Bi- you can make a case from the Bible that um, this supports uh, chattel slavery and so on. Alrighty? Okay, just make you aware of it. It's probably not an argument for today compared to 150 years ago, but nonetheless. It's kind of a tough thing to, to hear that and see that there's, that there's no reprieve until Christ. No reprieve for whom? Canaan? This particular group of people. I mean, they're cursed until Christ. Or but Christ I would go back, though, to what you said earlier. 
I don't know if this is so much a curse as it is a prophetic. kind of like a prediction, a prophetic prediction. But so. also Abraham believed, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. So he he looked to the cross, and his salvation was still in the cross, even though. So these guys could have done that. You're saying? They, they, so they could have done that as well. But if these were the ones, if these were the Canaanites that were up in Israel area, mm -hmm. there there were a few of those people that withstood the Israelites when they came in, and they made them slaves, mm -hmm. right? Is that if that if that's what you're saying? The prophecy is looking forward to mm -hmm. that you would be slaves, you'll be a servant, servant of servants, you brothers, meaning if it's prophetic, it's way prophetic, like. 400, 600 years in the future? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh -huh. Yeah. There you go. All right, let's move. Verse 26. <laughs> Do we read that? I think we read it. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be a servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell on the tents of Shem, and let Canaan... We already read that. All right, verse 28. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years, and all the days of Noah... We're 950 years. Why don't we show a slide? This is slide number two, I think. All right, so you recall we did this previously, and you see Noah down there at the bottom. Um, and again, Noah lives to 950 years. That's approximately probably a year or two in one way or the other. That means Noah dies around the 260th year of humanity. Uh, remember, the flood was in the 1656th year. Um, so there you have that, all right? So that is the conclusion, really, of chapter 5. Remember in chapter 5 we were looking at all these ages and all of that stuff. Now we have the last guy and, and when he actually died. All right. What's that? He lived till 2000. Not that 2010. All right, now, let's go on to chapter 10. We can do this, folks. Chapter 10, verse 1 reads, These are the generation of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Sons were born to them after the flood. Slide three, know, please. That's good to know that sons were born to them after the flood. Yeah. How think any of us would have been here. That's right. <laughs> All right, so this <laughs> is slide three. Shem, <laughs> yeah, Ham, and Japheth. His three sons, not necessarily in the order of their birth, maybe, but not necessarily. All right, verse two. We're going to look at uh, slide number four, the first tribe, and that's the tribe of Japheth, or the people of Japheth. And Japheth will have seven kids. Uh, Gomer, Magog, Tubal, Meshach, Medai, Medai, and Javan, or I think I changed the order around, but anyhow, those kids he will have. Gomer, Magog, Medai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tyrus. Alrighty? Now, if you look at verse 3, it's going to follow, see over on the left there, Gomer? It's going to follow Gomer. Go ahead, give us a slide. Alright, and Gomer has those three, uh, Ashkenaz, Rifath, and Togarma. We read of them there in verse 3. And then verse 4, uh, we're going to follow the middle son, Javan, if I'm saying it correctly. And he gives birth to four kids. You see their names there. And then verse 5 wraps up our look at Japheth. Verse 5 says, From these the coastland peoples spread in their lands, each with his own language, by their clans in their nations. Now, that anticipates something in the future. Mm -hmm. What does it anticipate? The Tower of Babel, right? Uh, chapter 11, if you just glance over there at chapter 11, that's when the, the people are dispersed and the languages, uh, everyone's speaking in different languages, and so on. Okay, so chapter 10 
serves as sort of this overview of things that goes beyond 11, past 12, perhaps, and, and things that maybe not past 12, but mm -hmm. anyway, you got that. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to uh, just run through a couple of things. Uh, Gomer talked about that that would be the Germanic people um, yep. of Europe. Magog, Tubal, Meshach, the Russian peoples. Medei refers to the Medes. Remember the Medes mm -hmm. and the Persians? That's kind of like Iran and Iraq. Um, the Ashkenaz, that's they call the Ashkenazi Jews, the Fertile Crescent area. Togarma refers to the Armenians. So we're talking about uh, folks that would make their way kind of north of Israel into the area of Europe and a little bit of Western Asia and so on. Okay, well, I'll show you a slide in a minute. Let's go on to verse 6. Verse 6 is going to look at the second of these sons, Ham. And you can see he has four kids. That's uh, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. So Japheth's family went up essentially to Europe. Ham's family, uh, Cush, is the area of Ethiopia, which is in Africa. But also we learn that there's another area that's called Cush that is more so in the Middle East. So it seems like that family line divided, perhaps. Or it could just simply mean later on in history they picked up the same name. Egypt, what do you think that is? Okay, good. Put is Libya. And Canaan, that's what we today call Israel. So these guys make their way to Africa and the Middle East. If we follow this line, Cush is the first guy. Cush has five kids there. You see their names. That's listed there at the second portion of verse 6. Um, then we'll look at Rama. That's uh, one of Cush's kids. He gives birth, or his wife does, to Sheba and Dedan. That's the area of Saudi Arabia. Uh, and then... It also says that Cush fathered Nimrod, all right? And so um, in verse 8, in verse 8, it just mentions Nimrod. It's going to come back to him a few verses later. Um, and no doubt there, you know, there's other people that are being born to Sabta and Havila or whatever, but they're not mentioned. But again, Nimrod's a guy that we're going to focus in on, and so he's thrown in there. And by the way, don't forget Nimrod and, and so on. Now, I'm going to read verses 10 and 11, or 9, 10, and 11, but we're not going to talk about Nimrod tonight. We'll come back to that next week, okay? It says that he was the first on the earth to be a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, mm -hmm. Akkad, and Canaan in the land of Shinar. It's like Babylon. Mm -hmm. From that land, he went into Assyria, and he built Nineveh, Rehoboth-ur, Kalah, and Rezin between Nineveh and Kalah. That is the great city. Alright, so that's Nimrod. We're going to talk about him more. You can read about him this week if you want to bring some good stuff back. Alright, let's look at verse 13. Remember uh, Ham had three sons. The middle one there is, he's called Egypt. Verse 13 says, Egypt fathered Ludum, Adamum, Lahibum, Naphtuum, uh, and those other guys there. Um, we see that Kazluhum is where the Philistines came from. Uh, and then the third son of Ham is that guy by the name of Canaan. Canaan, it tells us in verse 15, he fathered Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, and the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Girgashites. So it doesn't, now it's listing like groups of people, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Girgashites. I just kind of threw the first few letters there. I don't know if the first one of that family line was named Jebu and Amor or something like that, but... 
you get the idea that he had a whole bunch, I guess if we count that, it's probably about 11 or 12. Um, verse 19 says, In the territory of the Canaanites extended from Sidon in the direction of Gerar as far as Gaza, and in the direction of Sodom and Gomorrah, this is all southern Israel, Adma and Zeboim as far as Lasha. These are the sons of Ham by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. Okay, so we spent time considering Ham. Now, the last one is Shem, all right? Um, now, what I find interesting, Shem is referred to as the oldest brother uh, elsewhere in, in the scriptures. He's always listed first here, so he's the oldest, but he's the last one in this little genealogy of nations here. And I think it, that's significant because it's from Shem's line that the rest of the story of the Bible is going to to go because remember genealogies their purpose is to bring you from this guy to this guy because mm -hmm. we're going to talk about it well we're going to talk about in the rest of the bible shem's line because this is where abraham will come from and isaac and jacob and so on and so forth and so i think that's why it's listed third notice how there's five descendants five is a number of grace is it mm -hmm. all right that's awesome yeah how about that okay so you see those there's five descendants there and they're listed uh, and then verse 23, we're going to follow one of those, that guy on the right over there named Aram, and he has four kids that are listed there. Um, you notice, what's that? Mash. Mash, yeah, it's a good TV show. Um, you'll notice Uz. Who came from Uz? The wizard. <laughs> so close, but you're slightly off. Abram's father. Abram's father. Wasn't he from Ur? Oh, that's Ur. Spelled slightly differently, you know, <laughs> but you're on the right track. Job came from us. Job chapter 1, verse 1 says that he, I guess he was. Uh, verse 24, it says, Orpakshad, no, that's the middle son, he fathered Shelah, who fathered Eba, yeah, excuse me, Eber, uh, in verse 21. Now, here's sort of a contradiction, but not really. In verse 21, it says that Sham was the father of Eber. But remember, you can say father, and that could mean grandfather. Oh, right. It can mean great-grandfather. Mm -hmm. And so this clears it up more, that Shelah was the father of Eber. Eber was the father of Peleg and uh, Joktan. Um, and of Peleg, it says that in his days the earth was divided. We're going to talk about that. That could mean a couple of things. Uh, it could mean that the world, what's it called? Continental drift. Yeah, what's it? Tectonics. No, panacea. Or, yeah, there's a phrase for it. It's not panacea, but it's <laughs> Pangea, I think it's called. One something like continent that. became many. And that it, it split up. It could mean that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or it could mean that all of the, the languages, the people, the world was divided. They went all different directions. Um, maybe it means a little bit of both That's of those. So anyway, that we'll talk about that when we get to chapter 11. Um, and then Jockton, let's follow his line. That's what it looks like. Um, there's so many names there, they don't fit on the, hmm. the thing, so we just gave you the first letters uh, and so on. Okay. Um, notice, though, the last of his sons, verse 29, his name is Jobab. There are, that's his name, Jobab. It's the letter J on the end there. Oh, okay. um, mm. Some oh, suggest that this Jobab is Job, Job, Job. perhaps. Um, so, okay. I don't know. Um, 
I don't know. Verse 30, the territory in which they live extended from Misha in the direction of Sefer to the hill country of the east. These are the sons of Shem by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. So here's a map that people have suggested. You'll, you see where the little diamond is, kind of in the middle of the map there. That's where like Mount Ararat roughly is. So that's where the boat would have uh, settled or the, the ark would have settled. Then they came off of it. And they began to make their way down a little bit south. That's roughly where um, uh, Babylon would be or the Tower of Babel would be. And then the people went off into all different directions. And so Shem's family makes their way to the east. Uh, Japheth, as we said, they're up north. And, and then uh, Ham's family is in the Middle East and, and down into Africa. So um, there you have it. Don't I have one more slide, sir? I forget what they are, though. Oh, so this is an over... Did you want to show the map again? I'm sorry, you want to see that again? Well, yeah, I'm just... Yeah, go back. Turkey seemed like it should be higher. It's era as in Turkey. Because your, your, your dots in Iran, I think. Or Iraq. Okay. They're on the Persian Gulf, right? Well, the dot is... You said Ararat. Where the... Arclan. Well, the triangle. No, the triangle's Ararat. Ararat. Oh, I'm sorry. Roughly, I'm but sorry. I mean, it may not be totally accurate, but yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So now, <laughs> this next one, this is just an overview of all the names that we were given in chapter ten. Um, that's those people. <laughs> What's that? It's, a, it's like a double word score. I thought it was like a periodic <laughs> table. table. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway. So that's not everybody that these kids had. I mean, you look at the one generation of light blue. There was only three kids born in that generation. Yeah. Obviously not. You know, so uh, these are just the people the we're following. Huh? They're not including the women. And the women aren't there listed as well. Just the, the name of the men. Okay. And we have one more slide. Uh, you know, I like to, to throw this up here just because you can see Noah. He dies in 2006. Abraham, we don't know the exact year Abraham was born, down the bottom there. Mm. The scripture says that when his dad was 70, he had three kids, and one of those is Abraham. Uh, and so we assume at the latest, he had to be born when his dad was 70, so that puts it at circa 1948. Um, more likely, possibly, if you, if you look at the ages of when guys were having their kids, mm. it was right around 30 years. It was 29, 32, 33, 28, right around that. So if we guess that he was 30 when Abram was born, then that would put it around uh, 1918. If it was 40, 1928, what do you think if it was 50? 38, etc. You get the idea. So we don't know exactly, but it's clear that Noah and Abram lived together in the sense of in the world, mm. for at least 60 years or so. So mm. we got to learn a lot of things from one another uh, in that particular process. Sometimes, mm. you know, that's ten, five chapters later. My gosh, they probably didn't even know each other. Mm. But no, they did. They probably did. Um, Were they in the same regions? I don't know. I don't know that, so. Okie dokie. So that is that. Now you have to remind me, we have to talk about Nimrod. Nimrod next When we week. come together next week. Okay, dokie. The fact that we get such incredible racial diversity, the which, which, which time does racial diversity and the changing, like the cultural infusion, did, you know, it's just we have so many different groups of people coming, changing our looks. So to adapt to the new environments they went through. Yeah. yeah. So just adaptation. Yeah. As opposed to. I'm just, I just thought it was just, we, we kind of all, you know, did we genetically look like Noah and, and then progression over a number of years, you know, yeah. uh, um, you know, 
something don't they have sisters that one is black and the other one's white mm-hmm. and I, I was like that's really cool like that's very interesting they're yeah, yeah they're biological yeah. biological it was on Facebook yeah <laughs> <laughs> It was, you know, is it, is it a way, you know, to really I think it's like have increased separate, separate, increase the separation? Like these people would no longer even, because the language was changed. Do you think God in that changed mm. look at the people to say, okay, you will have nothing in common, or is that just Tracy's imagination? Or you could just look at it this way: God loves variety. Oh no, mm-hmm. he definitely, oh, he absolutely. I don't think variety. that their skin tone and pigment was changed as their language was changed. Okay, no, I was just wondering how Yeah, I don't think that would... Maybe it was with the environment. You know, That's the what I think, yeah. I imagine. That and open tones, I think people are attracted to a certain... You know, people as... They were, okay, we all speak the same. Right. And we all kind of have the same right. look. And I kind of like the people that look that way as opposed to somebody that looks well, a little different. You know, and together. it, it kind of, I think, drifted off. At least if you breed animals... Mm-hmm. You can breed them to look a certain way, and from the same, whatever master pair, you can have two completely different lines—one big dog, one little dog—from the same. Just as you as you breed, and it only takes twenty years to get a purebred dog. This is fascinating. It's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I think God just put different people here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Now he's mixed them all up, yeah. yeah which is true. almost the so here we got the reversing. We're going to get the Babel next year, next week. Yeah, yeah. we have the reversing of the Babel effect. Oh, the Babel yeah, yeah. effect. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know they called it that. All right, well. We must go. We can't stay here all night, my friends. All right, so let me close this out in prayer. I don't think we have time, Mark, for a song. Father, we, uh, we do thank you for a stimulating conversation. Lord, uh, And it seems like weeks ago that we talked about uh, Noah getting drunk and, uh, and his nakedness being uncovered. And, Lord, even just for us, the question of, of drinking and stump- causing others to stumble and should we and shouldn't we and how much and what's appropriate. And so, Lord, I just pray these things would... Uh, resonate in our hearts, and Lord, we, uh, we'd bring them to you, we'd commit them to you, we'd seek your will. Lord, we do thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord, that you love us. Lord, we thank you for the rainbow and the clouds that uh, we can look to and be reminded of your faithfulness and, and know, Lord, that uh, though we fall short, Lord, of uh, even the standard we've set for ourselves, Lord, we know that that day will come, we'll enter into your kingdom, and you will look upon us in the righteousness of Christ. And uh, we rejoice in that faithfulness, Lord. So, Father, continue to bless uh, our week ahead of us, the rest of this week, until we gather again. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. If you would like more information about the church, its ministries, its worship services, or its small groups, 
please visit ccmercer.com or download the church app to your phone.